Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, Orlando Magic fans. Frustration. Disappointment. Those are the words that mark the Orlando Magic falling to the sixth pick after having the fifth best odds in the lottery. We hope for better. It didn't happen. Uh, You can't be lucky every time. We look back at those days when we landed Penny Hardaway with the worst odds to get that number one pick and traded down uh, Chris Webber and got four more first-round picks. Uh, Those days are gone, and the Magic now have to work with the number six pick. I'm joined by Chris Chartier. This is Brett David Roberts. We also have our Orlando Magic Daily uh, writer, Philip Rossman-Reich. How are you doing today, Phil? I'm doing good. Uh... Sleeping, sleeping on the six pick didn't sound didn't. You woke. I woke up better to the six pick than I than I fell asleep. So, yeah. I, how do you feel about it, Chris? Did you wake up in a, in a pleasant mood yourself, or, or are you still uh, a little bitter? No, I actually uh, dealt with it um, as I was driving home from work. So, I'm I'm a little over it now. Yeah, we're all on the same page then, because I was really frustrated for about an hour or two after that after that lottery was announced. Um, and then I started thinking about this draft, and, and we've tar- started talking about it, you and I, both Phil and, and Chris, you know, in text messages. And, and it's really not as bad as it seems having the number six pick this year, I don't think. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of players that, that can still be available there. Someone may fall. I would say that Mark- Markel Fultz and Alonzo Ball are locks at one and two. But after that, things get kind of dicey, don't they? Um, how, how, what, do you, what are you really looking for? With a six pick, Phil, like what guy do you think that the Magic should really target and hope for? Well, I mean, uh, like you said, this this is an interesting draft class, and and I do agree. I mean, like I've been kind of low on this draft class. Like a, a lot of people were saying, this is the best class since two thousand three. Uh, I'm not willing to say I'm not willing to go that far. Uh, I think you know when people were saying, "Oh, the Magic need to tank; they need a top pick in this draft." I was like, "Well." Marco Fultz is very good, and I think he's far away the best player in this draft, but he's not someone that I purposely tank a season for. Neither is Lonzo Ball. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. you know, outside of the top two guys, which is determined by a lottery anyway, so it's completely random, uh, but outside of those two guys, the guys that are in the 3-8 to eight range are all very good players. And so, you know, I feel as... Kind of as 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 a, as a magic observer and then fan and and someone who uh, looks at what's available to magic, I still see plenty of opportunity for the team to get uh, to get a quality player. I mean, there there are obviously going to be players with more flaws and maybe a little bit more of a risk, but still players who can contribute on a team even if they don't make it to stardom. And and I think that's important too. That you kind of have that fallback plan. I think the Magic will get a quality player at six, and and that's most important right now because the team just needs talent at first and foremost. I agree with most of that. I think Chris is a little uh, different view, has a different view on that tanking thing, uh, and, and I, I I agree with both of you if, if that's even possible. But um, those those wins at the end of the season really did hurt the odds. 
Uh, did they frustrate you, Chris? Were you, weren't you looking for a more of a tanking effort? Because I know you're really high on Lonzo Ball, and uh, that he's he's no longer in play for the Magic, unfortunately. Yeah, um, yeah, we're not getting Lonzo Ball anymore. Um, everything you said, Phil, was it, it was good. I agree. We do need um, talent on the Magic. Um, it's something that we've been devoid of. Um, I would say that. Um, as you're saying, three through eight, there's a lot of good talent. There is. There's a lot of good talent in this draft. I do really like this draft class. Um, I was listening to Colin Coward the other day, and they were on there talking about how this draft class, comparing it to 03, um, they were just saying the way that it will change the NBA landscape is similar to 03. They were saying another draft hadn't changed the landscape. Um, I don't know if I'll go that that far, but it's definitely one of the better ones. Um, I would say that... After Fultz and Ball, who, in my opinion, are two franchise players, um, I don't know about Fultz changing the way people view the game, but Lonzo Ball, I believe, he'll be transcendent. Um, he, just, he plays so fast. The way he plays is different. Steph Curry you know, shoots the lights out. Um, the way he plays changes how kids today are playing. Everyone's shooting threes. The game's changing. I think Lonzo Ball will make people play faster. I think he's going to be one of those players. Um, after that, you step into a different tier. Um, through those three through eight players, there's another tier within those. Uh, like a Jonathan Isaac is going to be a project. You look at him, he has games where you're like, dude, this guy's going to be awesome. And then you have games where, like more games than not, when he just falls asleep, like in the second round of the um, NCAA tournament. You, he, he's five years at best, so taking him is good, but um, is it what the Magic need? I mean, we know that basketball, more so than anything in the NBA, is star-driven. I would say more so than any other professional sports league in America. Football, mm-hmm. baseball, hockey, basketball is a star-driven league, and we all know, because we're all Magic fans, the Magic have not had a star the last five years, and we have not made the playoffs in the last five years. Um, dude, it's it's tough. It's tough to understand why the Magic saw the Lakers shut down their best players. They saw Phoenix shut down their best players, and yet we continue to win games. In my opinion, they're meaningless games. Um, you saw Phoenix take a slide to four, which which hurt. But I mean, six was the best odds that we had. So yeah, I guess we can't be mad. But. It's, it, it's tough because we had an opportunity to um, try to position ourselves for a better player because, in my opinion, there is a difference between Josh Jackson and Malik Monk. There is. Malik Monk, Malik Monk is great, and that's who I think we should pick. Um, but Josh Jackson has the potential to be way better, a way two-way, um, great two-way player defensively. Malik Monk doesn't have that upside defensively. Um, it just he it, it doesn't. I guess that one of the, one of the corollaries of this that that interests me is that if the Magic do get Malik Monk or De'Aaron Fox or any guard, does that mean that Evan Fournier becomes expendable and tradable, Phil, or is that jumping the gun, really? Well, I mean, I think when you look at this roster, it, it's it's very clear. I mean, and, and and as you said, this was a disaster of a season. I mean, a twenty nine win season with all the hopes and and, and anticipation that was there. Uh, the, the, the team needs a talent upgrade, and I don't think anyone on the roster is off-limits. Um, trading right. Evan Fournier is going to be tough because he's in the second year of a four-year deal that's going to pay him uh, whatever 17 times three is. It's a, what a, He signed, what, a four-year, $85 million extension last summer? Right, um, so $51 yes. million left. 
Yeah. yeah, so so he's got it's probably still at least another year before the team can trade him, but the Magic need a talent upgrade pretty much everywhere. I mean I mean I I, I was I, I had my podcast yesterday um, for the NBA draft lottery free plug. Um, but uh, the thing we talked about was really that there's no player on this roster that you feel like the Magic can build around. And that's that's part of the problem that the Magic find themselves in right now is they have a lot of nice role players, but no one to really truly build around. The only guy that you can probably make an argument that you can do that with is Aaron Gordon. And, and no one knows if he's going to take another leap. It's year four. It's about the time where he is the player that he's going to be. And so when you look at this draft, no matter who you like, and, and, and I'm a big Josh Jackson fan, um, but I think he has some flaws that, you know, that, that could hurt him in the NBA. Uh, Malik Monk's obviously got some flaws. You know, Dennis Smith Jr., who I'm beginning to peg as the favorite at number six for me, he's got a lot of flaws. Jonathan Isaac, as you mentioned, has a lot of flaws. There are guys that have a lot of flaws, um, mm-hmm. as, as any rookie will, but also a lot of potential, too. And, and the Magic have to analyze all these, look at the pros and cons, look at how they might fit into what they're trying to build or what direction they want to go, and take the best player available and not worry about whether it's going to affect Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier can play a little three. It's not ideal, but he can play some three. So can Terrence Ross. Aaron Gordon can play. is going to play the four, obviously. I think that's the only position that's locked in. If you draft a point so. guard, if you draft a point guard, it probably means you're done with Alfred Payton, which I think a lot of people are probably okay with at this point. At this point, because mm-hmm. like Aaron Gordon, he's entering year four. He is kind of what he is. Um, whatever yeah. the case is, the Magic just have to have to bring in some talent, the most talented, best player that they can find, and begin kind of re- uh, rebuilding. Probably the wrong word, but retooling around whoever they draft and what they hope Aaron Gordon can be this summer. Now, I'm not sure that to segue a little bit uh, about Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon to me is a very poor man's Blake Griffin. Uh, but as you know, Blake Griffin is a free agent himself this summer. I don't know that the Magic are in a financial situation to make a run at Blake Griffin. But they if they were, if they were, would that even be like, is Blake Griffin even an attractive target with his injury history? Like, is there any way the Magic can bring in an established star? Or is this going to have to be done through young talent development? Um, the Magic next year have $19 million available in free agent space. Um, and as we talked about before, Jeff Green got $15 million. So Right, right. Beyond so getting not. 17 so, you, so I don't think you're getting Blake, a star with Blake, $19 million. Blake Griffin is going to get a max contract. The yeah, ma- exactly. uh, my, my calculations have the Magic at around 13 to $16 million of cap room, depending on what they do with Zimmerman, Georges Hunt, and Garino. Mm-hmm. So... They don't. They they're not going to be able to play for some of the big name free agents unless they do a salary dump trade some somewhere along the road. Um, that's just. I mean that's that, just that, not that, 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 that has to it has to be in play I think because to make this next step I mean if you th- if you turn back the clock when the Magic signed McGrady and Grant Hill that's exactly what they did they were even going after Duncan and almost landed him but he was but it took but it took pretty, a year to do that they had right, to throw right. away a season to do that and I, I don't think the, especially I mean and this is where I think. The, the, the other issue that's facing this, this this franchise is a lot of it's optics right now. They have a, a, you know, you talk to Magic fans, there is tremendous frustration among among the diehard Magic fans for sure. And even Absolutely. among casual fans, they're just not as interested in this team. And people want to be interested in this team. I really, truly believe that. I, I think I think the fan base is in better shape than it's, it's really ever been. They just want to see a winning product. And 
I still think there's a lot of pressure from ownership. It's been five years. It's the longest playoff drought in Magic history. Mm-hmm. They might be willing to say this next year's a development year to kind of reset the reset the table a little bit, bring in a rookie that's going to help kind of build the franchise up. But by 2019, I think this team wants to be back in the playoff conversation. I think they even expect to take a step up and maybe sneak into the the fringes of the playoff conversation next year uh, with right. with the roster that they have, even with the roster that they have now. So it, it, there, there there's some optics involved here. The Magic aren't going to kind of splurge or, or, or spend a year clearing cap to, to do a complete rebuild or go after another free agent. That plan clearly did not work because they tried that last year. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing, yeah. I, I, you can see the frustration when you're in the arena. It's, it's very obvious because half the arena is at the, at the baseline bar and at the, bar, at the, at the outside bar uh, drinking and having a good time and using it as a social event. Now, as heartbreaking as that is to see as a, as a Magic fan that the fans themselves don't want to watch the game, it's saving this team by, by selling tickets to a, what has now become a social event. A lot of people don't really go to watch the game, uh, and that's unfortunate, but if the Magic become a force again, that, that'll that change, and the, 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 the Amway Center will start to sound like the arena and get loud because yeah. it's not loud. It's, it's a very quiet building for how big it is and how many people it packs in. Yeah. Um, and and I, I just... The, the atmosphere is just missing, really. It, you, you, know, you see seldomly that fans actually get excited for the Magic. Often they're cheering for the road team. I mean, what, what player was they were going nuts for? Westbrook. When Westbrook had that big game in Orlando, they were cheering for Westbrook. And it's disheartening to see that, that Magic fans are going to see the opposing team. But do you think there's a way that we could ever get a star that we could chant MVP for, Chris? Because, I mean, we haven't had that kind of talent since Dwight Howard. And even he wasn't an MVP. Yeah. He was a three-time defensive player of the year and phenomenal. I mean, I think yeah. people forget how good Dwight Howard was, but he was also a number one pick, not a number six pick. Yeah. Um, Dwight Howard should have won the MVP of the year Derrick Rose did, in my opinion. Um, but, but, but yeah, yeah. I, the, the Magic can do it. The Magic definitely can do it. Um, dude, I'm on Hoops Hype right now, and I'm just looking at the salary that's been um, divvied out to the players on the roster. Dude, the Magic have an organizational issue, um, and last year didn't work. I mean, dude, you're paying Biombo $17 million. You're paying Vucevic. He's on a bargain, 12.25, yeah. right? Then right. you have Terrence Ross at 10.5, which isn't bad. We kind of talked about this last podcast. I won't reiterate everything. But my point is, how do these players fit with each other? How, how do these players are supposed to play? You know, is Vucevic an answer going forward? He's not. They need to get off that train. They need to. Mm-hmm. They need to let that go. Biombo. They need to figure out if it's worth seventeen million. Because honestly, I know it's going to sound crazy. You can play Aaron Gordon in stretches at the five. The league is changing. You can play him at the five in stretches. You just need a, a, a quality back, like a Clint Capella. That can come in uh-huh. and do the rest for someone bigger, because you need a big, a big, big that's going to battle with um, the physical ones. Now, Aaron Gor- now, let's talk about that twenty-fourth pick, Chris. I'm, I'm going to keep it on you, but Clint Capella was drafted, I think, nineteenth overall. Do you th- do you have you looked at the guys available at that twenty-fourth pick to get, possibly get that kind of player? I have. Uh, I, don't, I don't. I have, and it's. I'm curious. It's really going to be how, who, who picks what before. Um, there's a lot of European and international players that, honestly, I, I, I don't know about. Um, mm-hmm. Like a Terrence Ferguson from um, 
Australia. Uh, you got some people from Germany. Um, I would really like to see the Magic take someone from college that drops a little bit, but I don't know. I'm more interested in the beginning of the second round picks, 33 and 35 we have. Right. But, uh, I mean, what what I'm saying with the MVP thing, I just, I just want to finish up. They, uh-huh. Dude, they got to move some pieces around. The pieces don't fit together. And Phil was saying uh, possibly you could build around Aaron Gordon, and really, I mean, that's true, but – if Aaron Gordon's the best player on your team, your team's not that good, and it's not a knock on Aaron Gordon. I'm just saying Aaron Gordon's still trying to figure out who he is in the NBA, okay? Uh, you see, like we talked about with Harkless, he goes over to Portland. When you have players like Lillard and McCollum who know who they are, it's easier for a Harkless to know who he is. And when you got a team full of people trying to figure out who they are, no one really figures out who they are. Everyone's just <coughs> trying, trying new stuff. Um, Alfred Payton... Uh, would be a great player on a good team. Like, if he got drafted to a team that had organizational structure, the dude would, would be balling, like, on a on a high scale, probably on a Rondo scale. I think you compared him to Rondo um, last. But he would. He's just he's not getting that attention because he's on the Magic right now. Dude, the Magic need to acquire players who play together well. Like Malik Monk, say we draft Malik Monk. What's the plan for developing in that year that you were talking about, Phil, of, of developing players, writing them off, um, so you know we can kind of hit the reset? Because I think that's what we need to do. What's the plan? Playing behind Evan Fournier? What's Mario Hezonia's role now? Dude, it, it's, there's so many questions, and what's Terrence Ross's role now? Where are the minutes divvied up? That's what we ran into last year. I just I think it's going to be a mistake if we don't make some major changes, like getting rid of Augustine, maybe moving on from Vucevic or Biombo. Yeah, I think some some cap clearing moves do need to happen, and I would like to see them happen before the season start. Yeah, I, I, no. Chris, I, th- I think I think you. Uh, excuse me, sorry, Brad. Um, I, no, I, think I was, was, was going to throw it to you anyway. I was going to okay. throw it to you anyway. Yeah. No worries, um, yeah. Chris. I, I think you've hit on on the exact problem with this magic roster and something that we we saw we thought we saw at the beginning of, of last season but kind of some of us dismissed it and said oh the defense will will figure it all out you're you're absolutely right the players on this roster do not fit together and that's kind of the, the fundamental problem with the way the magic built last year is they kind of decided to go all in on defense and even the defensive pieces didn't fit together i mean if you look at serge Ibaka and Ms. Biombo's defensive rating when they were on the floor together was just absolutely atrocious. It was like 110, 111, 112 for 100 possessions. Um, I think absolutely the number one thing the Magic have to do this summer, and and when I said clear cap, clear clap, or do salary dumps, I I was mainly saying just trading everyone away just for the sake of trading everyone away and reshuffling and restarting the deck. That's not what I think the Magic will do, but absolutely the Magic need to make a major move either to clear cap space um, which, again, we saw how that worked last year, so maybe that isn't the right strategy. But that, to, to, to bring in a, a, a new balance to the roster, a, a players who at least they, they believe and think can fit together, because what we do know is the players on this roster currently do not fit together. Even at the end yeah, of the season, when the team was playing a lot better, when Alfred Payton looked like he was in a much freer uh, uh, that, uh, offensive system that, that benefited him significantly, I, I would say the Magic still weren't good enough. If you look at their record, you look at their statistics, uh, they still weren't a good basketball team even then. And while I think a training camp will help, and I think even the Magic understanding how they want to play a little bit better and Vogel even understanding his roster a little better, 
it would help if you bring back the same group intact, adding just you know a rookie or two. It's not going to work. It, that, that's that maybe is a thirty-five win team, and so we're back where we were two years ago, rather than rather than now, rather than last year. Uh, so, yep. obviously, the Magic still need to make a lot of changes, and and regardless regardless of what happens, who they pick in this draft, specifically at six, is going to be a central figure of the Magic's future. And so they 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 absolutely have to get this pick right at the very top. Yeah, I agree. I think. I think talking about this pick, I have it narrowed down to Malik Monk and Dennis Smith Jr., like you were saying. Um, my thing with Smith Jr., um, I, I did watch both these players extensively. I, I would watch their games and just trying to get, get a feel for the players. I wanted to be prepared for uh, draft talk. Um, Smith Jr., he just played on a bad team. He did shoot it near 36% from three. His game is really predicated on getting to the line. Um, he's really explosive, and at times players couldn't guard him, so instead they just fouled him. Um, but there's a lot of times he just took plays off, and you wonder if it's because he's on a bad team or, or what's going on. Um, so, I mean, he, he's definitely good. The, the, the thing is, I'm down for moving on from Alfred Payton if, if it's a franchise changer, like a fault or a ball, in my opinion. Uh, a Smith Jr. is a maybe. I don't know if I'm okay with maybe drafting a maybe new point guard. You know, I, I would rather roll out with Alfred Payton. Um, I'd rather move on from DJ Augustine, keep CJ Watson behind Alfred Payton. I like Monk. He shot near 40%. He got to the line uh, about five times a game. Dude, he dropped 47 against the national champs. He had eight threes that game. He had 33 against Florida. Um, who was in the final four. He had 27 against South Carolina, who was in the final four. He led his team in win shares. Um, and against Florida, he got to the line 11 times. Like He mm. does it in a variety of ways. He's not just a three-point shooter. He's super athletic. Um, and I, I don't know about his assists. I know a couple of games he had like seven assists, but it's not All much. Right. It's not his game. Dennis but, Smith yeah. is, is compared on NBADraft.net to Baron Davis and Steve Francis. Uh, I think those are solid comparisons, both of them, because he's a really explosive guard. He is. Get up, get up, and dunk on people, and and maybe that could change. Yeah, well, he's he's not strong. strong. Excuse excuse my language here. Baron Davis and Steve Francis had an ass. They could they could they could back into you and and let you know they were there. Dennis Smith is a little slighter than them. So the only way is explosiveness and ability to get to the baskets Mm -hmm. there, but not the maybe physical physical gifts. Yeah. Uh, I think thing, he, could, he, could, he could get in the weight room and add, and add 10 or 15 pounds of muscle probably yeah. and, and then be that guy maybe. So, you know. The, the one thing that I wouldn't want to see happen with this pick is exactly what happened with Mario Hazonia. I, I would like to see this pick get playing time because that's the only way you adjust to the NBA speed. It's different. Um, and you need time on the court regardless of mistakes. You, you need to be out there um, and you need to know – that you're not going to get pulled at the first sign of a mistake. Um, so I think I the think, pick I needs think that to be developed. Scott, I think that was a Scott Skiles quirk, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like Frank, yeah, Frank it, it Vogel definitely. will play this rookie. I, 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 think, I mean, whoever they draft at, at six, certainly. Whoever they draft at 25, probably. They'll get their opportunities. But here's my question with that. If there's no major overhaul between the two we just talked about, we get Monk. 
where's his playing time between Fournier, Ross, Hazonia? If we draft Smith Jr., where's his playing time between Peyton, Augustine, Watson, Fournier, and Ross? Because, I mean, sometimes Vogel likes to play that two-point that, uh, two guard lineup. It, it just it seems a little, a little uh, jammed. I mean, and I think, I mean, obviously, I mean, let's, I mean, for the sake of argument, let's say the Magic don't make any changes to the roster. If you draft Smith, or if you draft Smith or Monk, you can play them both at the two and, and slide Fournier and Ross to the three on occasion. Like, there, there's still some positional versatility. And obviously, Fournier at the three isn't ideal. We saw how that worked last year. I don't even think Ross at the three is necessarily ideal. If you draft one of those players, you are going to begin looking to move one of those two guys just to free up this, free up the, the time. You're absolutely right that there is a minutes crunch there. But yeah. but I think as we've said, the Magic are going to be invested in whoever they pick with this with this with this draft pick. They're going to play them. They're going to find a way yeah. to shuffle the lineup to get them to play. And if it creates a need at small forward, all of a sudden then the Magic will look to address that need somewhere else. I know a lot of people have said the Magic should chase after Jonathan Simmons um, as a potential free agent, and, and uh, that might depend more on the price, whether they can go after him. But I, I absolutely believe the Magic are going to be looking to explore the trade market, To especially now that we know how this draft has kind of, kind of panned out. Uh, if the Magic are looking at a Dennis Smith Jr. or Malik Monk, they're going to be looking to trade one of Evan Fournier and maybe even Terrence Ross. Um, they're going to certainly, I think, be looking to, to trade DJ Augustin or try and try and get him or, or make him not as big of a factor, uh, because I, I suspect that the Magic may try and find a point guard somewhere in the draft or free agency, and, and they're going to want to they're going to want to play them, play them. But at the same time, it's still going to come down to this, this team is still somewhat focused on the playoffs. You still got to perform and earn your playing time, and obviously, it's tougher to displace a veteran like a Fournier or Ross, but. The Magic will be under pressure to do to do so and, and to, to free up the space for this player to play, even if it's a, a reserve role to begin with. Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind a reserve role. I just would like to see them consistently on the floor. I mean, um, his, but yeah, I, th- I think between right Biombo, now, yeah, Tazonia's minutes right now are, are the one that's up in the air. No, no one knows what to do with Mario Azonia because Mario Azonia, in two years, has really struggled to prove that he belongs on the floor. Yeah, I, and I like Mario Hazonia. I think that he should he should have got a chance prior. Uh, it was tough for him with Skiles pulling him and then Vogel coming in. He he had a he had a bad start to the season. Um, I think there's something there. I do. And I think that you can play him at, at power forward, which he did because he's a very underrated rebounder. I've um, had a lot of trouble evaluating Hazonia because I, I look at the, the big picture and there's actually not enough data to get to get uh, accurate observations on what he can even do. It's been his minutes have been so sporadic. And uh, if you've ever played on a team and and got those kind of minutes where you you don't know when you're going to play or who's going to be on the court with you, it makes it's it extremely tough. difficult to play the the game of basketball. Uh, you you don't know your role. You don't know you don't know what the coach wants from you. You make three mistakes and you're pulled out of the game, which we see all the time with him. Uh, they need to give Hazonia a longer leash when he plays. You know, he's not given the same room that other guys are to make mistakes. And part of that's being a rookie and a second-year player. But now he's going to be a third-year player. He needs to be on the court. He needs to be given a proper evaluation because the, when you look at his, even looking at his shot charts and things like that, there's just not enough data even because he doesn't play enough and doesn't get enough looks. And, yeah. and that's unacceptable when you draft a guy fifth overall. Yeah, I don't think Magic fans want to hear this. 
and I'm a huge fan myself, um, the Magic should reset this year. Uh, with the way the East is about to reassemble, you got LeBron. The Celtics are only getting better. The Sixers are going to be way better. Uh-huh. Um, you, you got things happening in the East, and if your team isn't assembled to compete, you're, you're not going to have a chance. Um, so well, that, instead of well, making inject- the playoffs, yeah, instead of well, making the inject- playoffs once and falling back, uh, they need to to prepare the team for the long haul to compare over the years. I guess the question I have, and I'll let Phil answer it, is: is would resetting like that frustrate the fan base too much to the point that apathy really truly kicks in? That's a really good question because there's certainly I, I think there is a current of the fan base that would. Um, you know, I, I always remember this. The fans that we interact with on Twitter are probably are like on Twitter or social media or probably listen to podcasts like this are more engaged and smarter than the average fan. So mm-hmm. you tend you tend in, in conversations like this or, or people that we're speaking to to, to get fans who, who, who quote unquote get it, who are, you know, we want to win championships, you know, we wanna be a really competitive team and, and they understand that you kinda gotta go through these these pains to get there. Um, certainly, you weren't going to do that. You weren't going to give like Ken again a second chance to do that. But you also have to remember there is a bigger picture here. The majority of Magic fans don't listen to, don't read Orlando Magic Daily. They don't listen to our podcast. They they're not involved in these conversations. They're everyday folks who want to be engaged with with a team that represents their city. They want to watch good basketball. They want to go to the arena and have a good time and be entertained. And they're not going to care if if the team goes through another two or three year rebuild. They, they may jump back on the bandwagon when the team gets good again, but they're not going to drop the you know fifty dollars each for tickets and then twenty dollars for food and beer to go to uh, go to a Magic game. And so you want you have to find a way to keep those fans engaged and keep those fans involved with the product in some way. And so I don't. Anticipate we'll see a, a full rebuild. I think the Magic are at a point now where they're like, okay, we know that the playoffs have to come organically. That you know we can't just snap our fingers and say we're a playoff team. That 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 puts you in the hole that you're in now if it fails. And so I think they know it. It might take a year or two, year or two to get back into the conversation. But I don't anticipate the Magic saying this didn't this 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 complete rebuild didn't work. We have to do another complete rebuild take another year to get a top pick, take another year after that to get another top pick, and then make our move. I think they think that, okay, we've, we've done that part of the legwork. We've still got some of those pieces available. We just have to be smart with how we move forward and appreciate progress when it happens. Going from mm-hmm. 25 to 35 wins was progress. I consider the, the 2016 season a success. It, it met my expectations. I know it didn't meet everyone else's ex- everyone's expectations, but it met my expectations. And I expected you make some tweaks, you take a little bit of a gamble maybe on, on a player. I, I mean, I think if they would have done the Serge Ibaka deal and kept Tobias Harris or, you know, only dealt or kept Tobias Harris and traded him at the draft instead of at the trade deadline that year for a veteran player, that would have put the Magic on the path to making the playoffs again and, and in position to continue growing. It's it's valuing to me. It's valuing growth, and and saying we are making progress. Our trajectory is going up, rather than going back. And we're not going to panic and trash everything because things are quote unquote taking too long. 
I think that's no. I think I think some stability is what the fans want to see, and, and some reason to hope. And what made this season so disappointing is it felt like it was the end of the road. That it was okay. Now is the time, and the Magic were putting it out there. Now is the time we're making the playoffs. And not only did they not make the playoffs, they got significantly worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, that's important. Sorry, Brett. The, the Tobias Harris trade now was a turning point for me as a, as a writer and, and as a fan because I felt it was horrible. Uh, I tried to defend it in an article because I just wanted to take the, the anti-stance to it because everybody knew that trade was horrible, and it, it was a major setback. This team could actually use Tobias Harris right now. Right now they could, they could benefit from still having Tobias Harris, and that move was just it's unconscionable to me. You know, I don't see the logic in it. I think Skiles was the force behind it. I said that at the time, but we couldn't write it because there was nothing to back it up. And, um, you know, Skiles left his mark on the franchise, and it was all for the worse, unfortunately. I was really excited when they hired Skiles because I loved him as a player, but I don't love Skiles as a coach. And he's not a good coach. He wasn't a good coach for the team. And he's a driving force behind, I think, anyway, behind a move that set the team back. I mean, would you be inclined to agree with that, Chris? Um, dude. You may be asking the wrong person because I, I, I thought Tobias had to go. For what we got in return for him, that was a terrible trade. But uh-huh. I thought that he, he, he did need to go because I, 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 uh, I wanted to see Aaron Gordon get freed up. Uh, I think in the long term it will be okay. But for what we got back for Tobias Harris, dude, they rushed that trade. That was definitely the work of Scott Skiles. I thought Scott Skiles was a good defensive coach. I don't know if you remember Evan Fournier played the three a lot that year because we still had Vic. Um, and he actually held his own pretty well. But Vogel came in, and when he played the three, he looked terrible because Vogel's system's different. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I just I'm, – I'm just meh on Tobias Harris. I mean, I always thought he was a perfect six-man off the bench on a good team, and that's exactly where Stan Van Gundy put him. Yeah, of course. Off, off the bench. Um, dude, I think as far as uh, the question you asked Phil – it, my, my, I definitely wouldn't reset it like the way we did with Dwight, um, but it, I don't think it's just a tweak away. You, you definitely got to do a little bit of surgery on the team. You got to put them under and you got to open them up, um, but it's it's not anything major. Um, right. I just think that, dude, the fans, the, the fans here in Orlando, most of them are tourists. We do have diehard fans. Uh, a lot of the people from the games that aren't even from the United States, um, dude, they just—I this—I don't know how it's gonna sound, but who cares? Who cares yeah. when they start when they start winning? The fans will come back. I guarantee you that. Look at Cleveland and LeBron. Look at Golden State. I've never seen so many fans. Golden State Warriors. Um, if the fans will come back. Just just and- build a, a, a winning product. And, and to that point, I, I do think that the Magic fan base is is in a healthier position than it's ever, than it's ever been. Um, you know, Magic attendance was yeah. up last year over the year before. Um, I think really the fans are just waiting for a winner, and, and then they will show up. They will be loud. It's it's a very new sports landscape with Orlando City in town, uh, but. I think those fans will come to the Magic once they put a winning product because, it, like 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 Brett said, NBA arenas are very corporate experiences. They're not for passionate fans who want to chant and be loud and do all that stuff. It is very much a so it is, and it's this way across the NBA. It's not just a Magic problem, except for a very few instances, 
it's it's very much a social corporate event, and and that's kind of what the NBA is. That's that's the model for NBA arenas across the league. But when it comes time to, to winning and seeing a winning product, fans become engaged, and, and and I think the Magic are as far as the fan base goes, have more fans engaged and invested in the team now than they did during the Tracy McGrady era. I mean, Tracy McGrady was one of the top five players in the league, and the Magic the Magic were one of the worst teams in terms of attendance, and the arena hurt. But fans just didn't care. They, 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 for whatever reason, they just did not care. It's like, oh, we were coming off of Shaq and Penny. We only show up for championships. What is this mediocre basketball that we're watching, even though we're watching one of the best players in league history? I mean, the Magic almost moved in that time because attendance was so bad. I don't think the Magic will ever get to that point again. I think there are fans very engaged, fans who want to be engaged with this team and are just waiting for a reason to put down their money to show up. Yeah, definitely is. I think we can probably conclude on that note. We had a pretty inconclusive podcast overall because there's just so many questions about this team that it's really difficult to answer. Uh, but we, we certainly gave them some time and weighed some things out. And uh, I hope I hope our Magic fans enjoyed this episode of the Heart and Hustle podcast. Probably also be able to catch it on Locked on Magic, Phil. Uh, I'm not sure what you're doing with it, but if you can, you're more, more than welcome to, to use this broadcast for your, your purposes as well. Um, uh, closing, this was Brett David Roberts, 33 Trigger, joined by Chris Chartier, C-H-R-S-C-H-A-R-T-I-E-R, Chris Chartier without the I and Chris. And Phil Rossman Reich is re- uh, available at Magic Daily on Twitter. So uh, hit us up with any questions you have, follow us, whatever. And uh, we're here for you. As, as tough as this rebuild has been and as tough as these questions are to answer, uh, the Magic fan base will persist in supporting this team because it's been a good organization for 28 years now, and uh, a little slump like this is not going to knock us off the rails, is it, guys? No. no. Someone, someone's got to follow right. this team. Yeah, and, <laughs> and we're, we're the ones to do it. So I thank you guys for joining me, and um, close down the Heart and Hustle podcast. Thanks, Magic fans. You are locked on Magic. Your daily Orlando Magic Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.